I went to DreamHack Atlanta and got to experience the current state of esports in the area. Plus, I got the Sega Genesis Mini 2, and I'll give you some early impressions. Tonight is November 20th, 2022, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so love, you would say uh, even if... Blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what, what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game. I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore. What would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwolf. I know. I should have said happy 20 November for the Bimani fans here at Part of Fog. Hello, everybody. And welcome to the 20 November edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on Sunday night, welcome. Thank you so much. We do tape this show live just about each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash network. You can come join us and interact with the show directly, and I'll be trying to read intelligent comments from chat throughout the night there. Um, so... Uh, we were off last week, uh, so uh, you know. Hopefully, this lets the podcast folks get uh, get 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 updated, get back into to get back current. Because I know some of the episodes come out pretty late. Uh, this is a podcast. If you want to join our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord, that is where uh, we sometimes chat throughout the week. Uh, and uh, and you can also suggest topics uh, that we talk about uh, here on the show or see things that you might see here on the show a little bit early. Um, and I know that uh, I was I was gone uh, last week. I was actually up in, up in a cabin uh, hanging out with friends. The hanging out with friends part, uh, part was great. The cabin itself wasn't because turns out like a lot of fraternities rent out that cabin. And so, you know, we get there and, you know, we're trying to put our food in the fridge because we're going to cook over all, you know, for over the five days that we were up there. And, and there were no shelves in the fridge and the bottom part was broken because that's how you get the keg in. And where did they put the shelves? They probably threw them off the back of the mountain and threw them down. And, and so there, there were a lot of problems with that cabin. But we had fun. We played some board games. I disconnected from the world, essentially. Uh, I did, however, I, I went ahead and was like, maybe I can. And I actually won that little lottery. And I'm using my quotey fingers, lottery. Uh, to to be able to pre-order a PlayStation VR 2. So I did, indeed, using the cabin Wi-Fi, pre-order my PlayStation VR 2 from PlayStation Direct. So I should be getting it uh, around the time of its launch. And I did get the bundle with the Horizon uh, Call of the Mountain. So so I, I was able to get it. I, I, did, uh, I did win that lottery. So hooray me. Uh, awesome. So, uh, so I was able to do that. But I, also I do want to mention uh, for people who, you know, probably – uh, are very confused about what's going on in social media. If you do social media, if you don't, none of this affects you, really. Uh, but there is, uh, you know, all, all the stuff going on, the, the Twitter upheaval, and you can see a lot of it in our general chat over at, uh, uh, on our Discord, and com slash Discord. And I do kind of want to kind of go very, very light 
into this uh, because I'm a software developer who has worked on uh, large scale systems that have multiple different interconnecting parts uh, to make a lot of websites happen, to make a lot of services happen. And and uh, the, the thing that worries me about what's going on with Twitter right now is and I'm pu- talking purely technical. Uh, here, not not philosophical, not moral. Uh, other people have some moral issues with what's going on with Twitter right now, and that's for them to discuss. Uh, but the, in terms of uh, the stability of Twitter, so far it's holding up, but they don't have as many people that are able to handle uh, that are able to quickly fix when something goes down. As that is one little part of Twitter. Uh, and they have also mentioned that in order to reduce infrastructure costs, they're cutting uh, they're cutting off a whole bunch of the microservices at Twitter. Uh, about eighty percent of them, they said, because only twenty percent of them are needed for Twitter to absolutely function. The other eighty percent just made it function better, or made it easy quicker, or did things that would happen in the background. One of the microservices they tr- shut down was the content ID system, so copyright holders can no longer actually flag copyrighted material they took down that microservice so now they've got to file dmca claims and then they've got to have a staff put 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 um that on there so twitter's going to work fine until it doesn't and uh so it's not like i know that some people are talking about how um you know oh everybody said twitter was going to shut down on sunday morning and it wasn't going to be up no it's going to slowly degrade over time because the staff, the remaining staff that is at Twitter is going to be overloaded with fires. And they're not going to have the institutional knowledge on how to fix those. And the things that need manual review, um, th- those people have been fired. Like the, they, they were shown the door the first day, the people that would manually review content. Uh, and Twitter is becoming now a mainly a technology company. It's becoming a software company instead of a... Uh, a social media company. And that's the direction that Twitter is going to be going. So it's good. There's going to be a lot of change, but it's the world cup starting, which it started today. Um, that's going to really sh- tell like when something breaks, how quickly can the new team that's come in uh, bring it back? So, and Questbuster even says as someone who has uh, worked on this, uh, worked with large software teams in the past. It's not the short term that's worrying. It's what might happen in the long term. It's going to work fine for right now. Uh, there's going to be times that things are going to break and they're not going to, and, and it's going to impact the usability of the site. Questbuster even says, quote, did, did X leave any work instructions on the responsibilities when they left? No. Okay. I guess we'll have to figure out stuff on the fly. Unquote. And that's essentially what's going to happen. But I'm like, I worked on something that had its own dedicated photo server. And photos were a pretty integral part to what I was working on. Uh, And the RAID controller failed on the photo server. Now, our websites were still perfectly usable. They still worked. But the photo service didn't work anymore. Uh, And it's going to be things like that. That's going to, you know, video serving video. Uh, doing some of their content moderation. That's the stuff that's going to go first, and it's going to make the site less usable. Now, I do want to mention that uh, um, people are migrating to other things, and even I've migrated to other things. Um, 
and and I'm I'm still staying on Twitter. Uh, I don't have a red line that some people do. I totally respect those who do. Uh, I would say don't delete your account because then somebody else in 30 days can come on and take your account, take your username and impersonate you, and they may even pay eight bucks to make to impersonate you. So I would suggest not deleting your account, but you can delete all your data and uh, you know kind of hold the username. So. Um, uh, so, so I, I would suggest not deleting your account just so somebody else can't come in and, and become you. But there's a lot of interesting alternatives, and I'm going to briefly explain Mastodon just a little bit uh, because I've kind of figured out Mastodon and what, what how it's different and how it could be good, how it could be bad. Um, so Mastodon, I know some people are like, well, you pick your your email client and then you can talk to the, all the other email clients. It's a little bit more than that. So when you when you want to join Mastodon, you're going to join a Mastodon server that is connected to all the other servers. And each Mastodon server is kind of like a Discord server. They have their own moderation policies. They have their own admins. They have their own things. And, and they can block other Mastodon servers uh, from, from reaching anybody on their servers. But the thing that I didn't realize is that there is also a concept of a local Mastodon server. Uh, or, or local Mastodon page, which when you go to local, it only shows you, uh, ma- they used to call them toots, and I don't know, uh, posts, I guess is what they call them now. It only shows you posts from your server, and your and the servers on Mastodon are intended to be about something. Uh, there are some that are generic, but there are many that are like, these are for artists. And so when you go to that local tab, you're really hoping to see other artists talk about their stuff. And then there's the Federated, which is the Greater Mastodon Network, whatever servers your server that you chose is going to be able to talk to. And they'll a good admin will routinely block the ones that have the troll farms and stuff so they can't interact with you. So that's one of the nice things about it. But what happened to me is I joined Mastodon with Mastodon.GameDev.Place. Uh, and this was suggested to me by a friend who's like, you know, that's like the indie game scene, all that stuff. However, it's really geared towards indie game developers. So I, uh, I, I, so I joined this and then I looked and I went to that local and it's all these indie devs posting about their screenshot Saturday and all the neat stuff that they're doing in game development. And here I am. I'm like, I'm a Twitch streamer. Ooh, I'm a podcaster. I don't fit in. And so I worry that, um, that this type of stuff I post is not going to be very welcome in the local part of that server. And Rob Roberts says, I think the developer of Flappy Vogue belongs. I've done development and I can talk about game development and be doing a Twitch in podcast and talking to game developers is absolutely relevant. But like, if I want to talk about something else or really promote my Twitch, this Twitch stream or the podcast or something, that's not like, that's not what that server is about. So I'm going to be moving Mastodon servers once I find one. I wish there was one that was for podcasters or Twitch streamers that somebody else was putting on. I don't want to run it myself uh, because that's a lot of work to have to do an admin to administer a a Mastodon server Uh, because now you're in charge of blueing all the blocking of all the other federated servers and stuff like that. So, um, and, and, and Questbuster even says, that's what I'm concerned with too. I'm, I, I like shining the light on RPGs in their history, but it doesn't look like there's a Mastodon server that my square peg fix. 
Um, and uh, Rob Roberts says, it's a bummer we can't have a fog mask on, but yes, it, it's too much work. I mean, we could. I mean, I, I, I absolutely have the technical ability to start a Mastodon server, uh, but I just don't want to. I think that that's what it is. I just don't want to. So that decentralization is probably going to be something that's going to turn people off of Mastodon because it really is the Wild West. Uh, Co-host is a good alternative, but it's very early on. Uh, and uh, so I've got an account over on Co-host. But for right now, um, I've got a link tree and that's where my stuff's going to be. But like there's still Instagram and TikTok and, and all that other stuff. E3VL says, looks like Twitter is a town square mall. Mastodon is a town with tons of buildings people go to for specific topics. And yes, but you have to stay in your building. That's 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 where the analogy, you know, that's where you have to continue is like once you pick your building, that's your building. If you want to go talk about something else, you can, but it, it might interfere with the locals in your building. What I wish Mastodon would do, which they probably they they could do. I don't know how much of a big development lift this would be is to allow you to make posts that don't show up on the local timeline. That's what I would do. Uh, that, that, that would kind of fix that is, uh, you know, allow me to make a post that does not clutter up the local feed. So the game developers that go to that local feed and want to see other game development, they don't need to see my crap. So yeah, and Tiger Law says it won't let you create another account on another server using the same name. It will. Uh, I, I, I follow several people that have multiple accounts on multiple different Mastodon servers and I, you can migrate. So I probably, it, it's, it's very technical. The problem with Mastodon is it's an extremely technical platform because it was made by technical people for technical people, uh, which is why the greater public's not going to pick it up. Uh, but um, there is a way to actually migrate your account and all your followers to another server. Uh, so that's probably what I will be doing. But so far I'm on the game dev dot place and I'm just going to be a good guest and not post about a lot of things over there until I find a new home. The the social media landscape's going to change. Uh spare a good thought to your social to your friends who might be social media managers because they don't know what they're going to be doing anymore. Um there are people that were writing integrations with Twitter to to do cer- certain neat things with broadcasts that are now like am I wasting my time? Is anybody even going to be using Twitter? Uh so uh it just just Think good thoughts to the social media managers because they have to navigate all this uh, even more than those of us who just read on social media do. Anyway, I talked a lot about that, but uh, that's kind of been one of the overarching things about game, getting gaming news and gaming thoughts and opinions that has been on a lot of people's minds. Uh, but this weekend, I went to DreamHack Atlanta. So this is a, a very large LAN party is how it really started, but I call it an esports convention. It's an esports and content creator convention, really. Uh, and uh, I, I, so I, I got, um, I was invited to be on a panel and they, they messaged me on Wednesday of, uh, of this past week saying, hey, yeah, we'd love to have you moderate this panel. So that's why you didn't hear about it on the podcast. They didn't even tell me until three days before, hey, we'd love to have you here. Uh, so I got a content creator badge. Now, the neat thing they did in order to prevent spoofing or it was badge selling is that these have the NFC, not NFT, NFC, the near field communication uh, thing. And you put it up and then it would actually put your name, uh, your real name 
on the on the screen and so and it would say yes you know this is an actual badge and this is who you are and stuff so uh but i will say that i almost didn't get in and uh i i because i got my information on wednesday they sent me a qr code they, they got me registered and then i showed up and they're like well you already picked up your stuff i'm like what do you mean you already picked up your stuff. E3L says, does it show your photo? They didn't take my photo. They were like, yeah, you already picked up your stuff. What, what Did you lose it? I'm like, I didn't pick up my stuff. And they're like, yeah, Evan. And I'm like, my, my name's not Evan. It turns out somebody went to the BYOC, which is the bring your own computer. That's the land party. With my last name, his first name is Evan. Now, I don't think I'm, I, I'm not directly related to an Evan with my last name. Black Wolf is not my last name. But. They didn't check my ID, and I don't think they checked Evan's either, and they probably just assumed that Evan was supposed to also get my credentials. So I almost couldn't get in because they were like, well, you've already picked up your stuff. And I was like, what? But they were able to, they created a new profile, uh, or Bobby, uh, and set me up with a content creator badge. And apparently there was like a, since I didn't get, like, the full spiel because of all this, like, I didn't realize there was, like, a content creator lounge where you could get away from people. Uh, but I wasn't there all that much anyway. So let's talk about, let, let's see what uh, what it looked like. I did take some B-roll of the uh, of the area. Um, and uh, I took some stuff so you can see what it kind of looks like. Uh, they had um, a bunch of computers uh, that were set to free play for PC gaming. So this is a, basically a PC gaming Convention, so you play a lot of PC games. You're going to see a lot of stuff. Um, and there was a lot of League of Legends, a lot of uh, a, a lot of um, you know some some Valorant. Uh, you, you, there's a whole fighting game area, so you're going to see Smash Brothers in a bit, uh, and and you know a lot of Counter Strike and Call of Duty and stuff like that. So that that's what you're going to be seeing a lot of. Uh, you could you could get some free play time, so there were t- you know places that you would give you the computer, and so you didn't have to bring your own. But really, the big part of it is the bring your own computer area, where you bring in your own setup, and you hook into their LAN, and you play LAN games with people in the same area. Uh, and Questbuster even says an ocean of LCDs and LED lights. That is absolutely correct. That is that is what it was. All the lights were off here in the Georgia World Congress Center. It was in Building C, so this is not the same area that E3 was like 25 years ago. That was in Building A. But um, this is, uh, and you can see some. I think that there's some StarCraft going on down there, uh, and 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 stuff. And they they did have some good security. And this was open 24 uh, seven to to make sure that. Uh, you know, nobody walked away with your computer and stuff because some people tried to leave with their computer and they got stopped and had to get scanned in and scanned out. So and they wouldn't even let you in unless you were supposed to be in the area like I'm I'm showing video, but I couldn't go inside because I was not part of the BYOC area. Uh, so I actually could not walk into this area. Um, they were scanning badges out at the at the door uh, to see if I was allowed in. So I, I just kind of peeked over the railing being like, hey, I'm just here with the camera. Um, so that's, uh, that's kind of the main, uh, that was the main part, but then there's all these other stages where they're doing tournaments. So they were showing a smash brothers melee tournament right now, which would, these were all streamed on Twitch. They had casters, uh, but then they also had stations where you could play, uh, other fighting games. This is where they had some console stuff and bring your own consoles, uh, I guess is what they had some, some here, but then there were some CRTs and people playing melee and there was an open championship at like $25,000 or something you could win. Uh, 
And that's really what DreamHack is. It's all these tournaments. You're trying to be in the top eight of these tournaments, and you could sign up. But then they also brought in, you know, professional teams and, and big-name stars. Um, so, yeah, like they had a Tekken, you could, their prize pool of $2,500. Uh, and then they had some. They had a little expo hall, which was basically people, uh, companies trying to sell, uh, like good headphones that'll help you hear where you know where the enemy is and stuff like that. Um, so you, so a lot of stuff geared towards, um, gears ge- geared towards serious competitive gamers. The main co- uh, competition that had uh, international players was StarCraft. There was a main StarCraft tournament. Uh, this year's DreamHack seemed a little bit, uh, it was a little bit less than what it was in 2019. High-res studios, which makes Smite and Paladins and Rogue Company, they weren't here. So there was the High-res Expo, and they had huge tournaments there, uh, and they weren't here. So the Expo actually seemed smaller, even though it was the same size. It just seemed like there was less going on. And um, there was no Rocket League tournament that I saw that was a big thing. They used, they had a league, big League of Legends, but we did just have a huge League of Legends tournament at State Farm Arena uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, but this, it didn't seem like there was that much going on. Uh, there was a new game that, that that was being shown off that they were very heavily uh, showing off, and it was called Skyscraper. And uh, they had some competitions of it on the main stage, and I don't think I got much of uh, much stuff on it. Uh, in video, but Skyscraper, it is essentially Fortnite, uh, but with Overwatch-style characters. And that's kind of the gist I got from it. It is it is a battle arena, uh, and, uh, and, and but you're using Overwatch-style characters. And so they each have their own abilities, their own backstory. They're doing a whole story thing. So they were showing showing off. Skyscraper was kind of the big game that was being shown off here. And then uh, you had there were artist alleys, so you could buy some art and buy some t-shirts and hoodies and blind boxes and and LED masks uh, and, and not not face masks, but just like actual like you know costume masks, Halloween masks and stuff. Uh, they they were even the place that had some glasses that would help you see your monitor better, and I guess it like helps with glare and stuff like that that you would wear over your normal glasses. So that's kind of the stuff that you would find at DreamHack if you just kind of went uh, as an attendee. Very small expo area. It's, it was There were probably only about 10 or 15 vendors, but that's really not what people were there for. They were there for the you know the tournaments and the bringing your own computer, making it being a LAN party. There was a very small arcade. They had a DDR machine and then a bunch of sit-down cabinets for uh, fighting games, and then I think that there's some initial D racing games. Uh, but not as big of an arcade as has I've seen at the past at DreamHack, um, and 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 no pinball or anything. But it's really it's tournament games, is you know competitive games because this is a competitive game, uh, competitive game convention. So that's what they really uh, they they tailored everything to. Uh, but it was all appreciated. It was all used. Like there was there was a line for all the, all the all the arcade cabinets that were there. The the probably 10 that were there. Um, and cause this is the, this is the clientele. They had the clientele. Correct. Um, they, they know who their audience is. So, uh, and if you're wondering on the podcast feed, I'm actually talking over, um, I'm, I'm talking over some video that I shot. 
Uh, also, they had uh, so I, I I moderated a panel, and I'm about to show on the video where the panels were. They were in the middle of the convention hall, and there were uh, there were some speakers that would uh, like actually you know like actual sound speakers that would go out, uh, but you couldn't really hear the other panelists when you were up on the up on the up on the stage. Uh, so. And by the way, uh, Voice of Geeks Network's uh, friend of the network, Wild Spice, was actually on one of the panels before I was on. So uh, shout out to her and Anime Jam Session. I just showed some video of her on a panel because uh, right when I got there, I saw her there. Uh, but but I, I did a panel and uh, and uh, I, I couldn't hear anybody. So thankfully, they gave me some headphones so I could hear the people on the other end of the panel. I think it went pretty well. I'll talk about it in a second. But I also stopped by the indie gaming area. So the George Game Developers Association was involved here. There's some of the games that I've seen before uh, that still haven't come out. Some I have. There, this Vertical Shift is an Atlanta-based game. It's a VR game that I still have not played because I don't want to wait like an hour. Uh, but it's a competitive Oculus Quest game uh, where you can play multiple people and shoot shoot at each other. And it's a it's a it's a game where you can shoot people in VR, uh, and it is out now as well. Uh, and there were some other uh, interesting games. Some people were showing off their card games that they were working on. Um, there was a game over here that that kind of takes uh, the Bastion uh, narration, uh, and I forget what it was actually called. And I probably should have should have looked at it better. Uh, you're going to see it in a second. But it's a brawler. It's a side-scrolling brawler. But then the narrator just narrates what you're doing. Uh, and so it was kind of interesting. But it has a lot of polygonal characters. It looks like a PlayStation One game on purpose. Uh, but, uh, it was pretty cool to play. I played it for, uh, I played it a little bit. Um, and, uh, and I'm, I kind of sad that I didn't get a good picture of what the name actually was in this video. Uh, so they, there were people showing off their, uh, game prototypes and some of them were games that had come out already. Uh, and they, they weren't in this nice little area. So the panel that I moderated, um, was about safety and security in online spaces. And I would love to tell you everybody who was on it, but because there was no, uh, like no program or anything, like I, I don't actually know the names of the other people that were on the panel because I didn't have that information. It was very kind of disorganized in that sense. Um, and, uh, but, but it was, it was, it was a lot of good stuff because thankfully I was the only, uh, straight white guy up on the panel. And since I was the moderator, this meant that I could actually tee up the questions to allow the non-binary creator that was up there to allow uh, the, the, the women that were up there, the, the, the people of color that were up there. Everybody else was a diverse group, and I was able to kind of tee up these questions and, and, and uh, let them spike the ball over the net, which was great. And I really appreciated that. And they all did a great job. They actually said it was the first panel they've ever been on in their life. So I think that was that that made me feel good. And uh, and we had a really good good talk. I believe it is still up on Twitch. Uh, so the DreamHack Beyond Twitch channel streamed all of these panels. And so I believe that the archive is still up there. I don't think it's going to be saved to YouTube or anything like that. Uh, but it, it's up there uh, right now. So probably for the next 14 days, maybe seven days, you're going to be able to see it. Uh, and, and, and you can learn a lot of good stuff about how to protect yourself online. If you do want to be a content creator, uh, and how do you protect yourself online? And, you know, we talked about the names, 
uh, you know, that I use a different name. Everybody up there uses a different name and they, you know, keep it, keep the names in their precise locations away uh, because people will try to stalk you. And, and the other people that were on the panel were actually very popular because they had a bunch of their crowd that were there. And like immediately, like when we went off the stage, uh, their crowd, they, they whisked them away and stuff. So uh, it was, it was a very good talk and there's, there was a lot of good information sent out. Uh, so I had a, uh, I had a good time. I did not spend a lot of time at DreamHack. I probably was only there for about six or seven hours total. Uh, and so that's why I didn't get a chance to like interview any of the game developers that were there. Uh, but, but there was a good showing from Atlanta, uh, and other local game developers. And, uh, and, and, uh, Dark Tatia says, Bastion, but a beat em up color me curious. And, and the thing is, like, I don't want to spend too much time talking about these games until they're really close to being out or they're out. Uh, because I've run into this problem before where I have uh, uh, talked about a game that they're like, yeah, it might come out in five years. We're not sure. It's a student project. And, like, now you're all hyped about it. So I'm really, really cautious about what I actually promote uh, when I go to these game developer stuff. So, um so that that's kind of why I don't spend a lot of time on that because I'd, I'd rather wait until there's a call to action, which is a marketing term. I'm sorry for using that. But a call to action, I want you to be able to go on Steam and wishlist it right then I w- or pre-order it or buy it. You know, I want that before I talk to them. And so, uh, you know, there are games I've been, you know, kind of seeing and you've probably seen me walk by them for four or five or six years and they're still not out. So uh, I try not to to overload you with that or with Kickstarters or things like that. So also in the last two weeks, so that was DreamHack. So thank you, DreamHack, for having me out. I did enjoy the panel. There are a couple of things that, you know, we'll I'll probably talk to DreamHack uh, about, like, you know, the acoustics for panels because uh, the audience could hear us, but the panelists couldn't hear each other. Uh, and when you have hearing like I do and you're in the middle of that stuff, uh, it doesn't work out too well, but that's all fixable stuff. We're, you know, it's it's all it's all easily fixable for next time. And so I do hope that I get to be involved with DreamHack a little bit more in the future and other for uh, other DreamHack festivals that are in the U.S. Because I think they just announced DreamHack San Diego, so it's going to be in San Diego uh, in in uh, or in a couple months. And then there's always one in Austin, and then there's the ones in Europe. But two weeks ago. I got the Sega Genesis Mini 2. Uh, it showed up. Uh, it actually showed up on Tuesday. It was supposed to show up on Thursday from Japan. And it's itty bitty. It's really tiny. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this thing. Look at this thing. It's really tiny. And I, and, and I, I realized on the podcast feed, I'm like, look at this thing. It's tiny. I can, like, hold it in the palm of my hand. Like, it is really small. Um My cell phone, which is an old Galaxy S8 is actually kind of bigger than this console. Like they really took uh they they took the the minimalist to 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 the maximum uh for it. It does have a little uh you can actually like push down the the cartridge slot and it has like a little opening here, but there's not, you know, there's nothing in there that you can put it. Um and uh, Rama, uh, DJ Rama S says it's like half the size of the original Genesis 2. Uh, and Pop Culture says, can you hack it like the first one? Uh, I, I don't know if you can hack it like the like the first one. I'm sure you can hack it. Um, but uh, and it's even smaller than the controller. 
So, like, the controller, it actually comes with the six-button controller, which is a USB controller, and the controller is actually bigger than this thing. So it's, it's so cute. Um, so it, it came out, uh, and I did actually stream on Twitch on my personal channel. I streamed trying it out. Uh, and it's got a neat, eclectic collection of games, including games that uh, are out uh, that were never released. So there were actually, like, six games that came out in the in the in the time of uh in 2022 that were either remakes by uh by by uh homebrew developers or unreleased games from uh the from from the past and I'm actually going to pull up from my Twitch stream um Space Harrier so they actually remade Space Harrier um and and Space Harrier 1 and 2 for the Genesis and so they used like modern techniques of um, the modern techniques that we have learned, you know, 20 to 30 years of hacking the Genesis to come out with a version of Space Area that's actually playable on a Genesis. And uh, it, w- it was actually really interesting. It was really neat, like, and it worked really well. Now, I don't know if you could run this on an actual Genesis. I think you would be able to. Um, but for what they did with this, like it, it's a, it's an actual really good representation of space Harrier and space Harrier two. I played both of them. Uh, I knew space Harrier two was new and space Harrier one. I knew, uh, I, I didn't know if it was also new like this, but it was, uh, they remade both space Harrier one and two, and you could reload either of them from, uh, from the console. And they also had some other, uh, interesting uh they had a, a version of uh they had a version of fantasy zone called super easy mode so it was for the bobby blackwolf mode um and and so it was it was the super easy mode of of, of, of fantasy zone and i still died right at the very beginning uh or no i didn't because they had this like part shop and stuff like that so uh they had that and that was new and like a lot of these games they're listed as like we were released in 2022 uh, there was a puzzle game that was never released. It, it's about like collecting stars on a on a balance, like, uh, and it, it's called Star Mobile because the, a mobile in this sense is like what you would see over over a crib, or it's like Lady Justice with the the two uh, the two bowls, and you know trying to keep them balanced. But you've got these different sized stars, uh, and you don't want them to fall. So. Um, it, it was an interesting, and I think it was like, it was a fully made Genesis game that was canceled at the last minute. And so they included it here because they wanted to include things like the Star Fox 2 that was on the Super Nintendo, uh, the, the SNES mini, uh, the SNES classic, excuse me. Um, and so that's why they kind of overloaded with a lot of these games that never came out or were new, uh, to, to you. Uh, DJ Ramos says, if you rip the ROM and put it on an SD card and use the Genesis card, yes, you can run it on the original hardware. So that's that's good. Uh, they're actually using something that runs on the original hardware instead of like using emulator tricks. Um, so so that's good. Uh, there is there was a versus mode of uh, versus uh, of Puyo Puyo. Uh, so you can only do, but and it's an actual two player version which never came out originally. It's on this. Uh, you can do like a practice mode. Um, and that's all you can do with one player. So you really need to get a second player. Uh, there was a arcade game about a locomotive that I couldn't figure out kind of like, so that, so that was, but that was interesting. 
Uh, it's apparently a 1982 arcade game that was uh, made for the Genesis. Uh, they remade it. Uh, and then there was this uh, this game where, uh, and I, I'm trying to figure out the name of it. If, uh, that's why I'm kind of scrolling around my own video. Because uh, I actually did this a week and a half ago, and then I went on vacation, so I've forgotten most of this stuff. Devi and P. Uh, and uh, this was a Japanese game, and it's real interesting because it's like Breakout, except you control both paddles, one on the bottom and one on the top. And some of them, uh, the way that I kind of understood it, because it's all in Japanese, and of course I didn't go look up the manual because, you know, who looks up the manual? But you control the bottom paddle with the uh, with your D-pad, and you don't want to actually hit. You, you don't want to catch the devils, or else your screen gets smaller. You actually want to hit them from the side. And then the top paddle is controlled with the buttons, your ABC buttons, and you do want to catch what goes to that side. So they're going up. And and so you've got it's kind of like super multitasking. Like I, this is like the type of thing YYR would have put in super multitasking, uh, except it, it's a little bit different. And then I didn't realize like you're supposed to actually catch uh, the, the the catch P over here with the other uh, paddles. So like I didn't realize that what the gaming was game was. Uh, but let me let me once I figure it out, I'm uh, I'm gonna fast forward to this. But it was uh it. It was, it was challenging, and it got in. But the difficulty didn't ramp up too quickly. Like I was able to do it for a bit. So it turns out you're actually supposed to catch things with the top paddle, but you're supposed to not catch things with the bottom paddle. Uh, is the way that I kind of understood it. And then there were different power ups that you could get uh, and, and stuff. So it was, uh, it's it was a very unique concept, and it's. Uh, and it, but and it's also you can be a two player game where one person's on the top and one person on the bottom, but really it's it's super multitasking. You you want to control both things at once, and if the screen gets all the way to the center, uh, then uh, you then the game's over. So I thought that was interesting. There are also Sega CD games on here, uh, so that was kind of one, uh, you know one of the things that I was uh, happy about. Silphied. Uh, was a game I enjoyed, uh, and it has the Red Book audio in it. And then, of course, Sewer Shark, which I played just to see if I could remember the lines, which I could, I because I watched the intro to Sewer Shark a lot as a kid for no reason, and I could recite the lines over and over and over and over again. So and so, it's got a good smattering of games. It's not like the the top tier games because all the top tier games were on the first Sega Genesis. Uh, but, uh, it had a good, had some that like it had outrun, uh, on there. And, uh, you know, so there were some games that you've heard of, but a lot of them are just games that you had not probably have never played and never really heard of. Uh, and, uh, so it's, it's a neat little thing to check out. Uh, so I appreciated, uh, I appreciate having it. It's going to go in, uh, with the rest of my classic consoles. Uh, I'm not going to hack it because, uh, I don't really need to. So, um, and it's because I, I've got other stuff, so I'd rather just keep things as pristine, uh, as they were. 
So, uh, and as Sheridan Matt says, I'm still bad at Sewer Shark as when I played uh, as I was when I played originally. And Mike Dev says nobody is good at that game unless you have a walkthrough for through it. Yeah, no, I was not very good at the game then either. That's why I saw the intro over and over again and could recite it from memory because I was like, this is so cool. My Genesis is playing a movie. That's the Sega Genesis Mini Two. Um, and this is going to be a first for the Bobby Blackwell show. People who were here live, they can see the thing on the side and they see I had news stories queued up. You know what? I'm uh, not going to talk about either of them because, uh, I talked a lot about DreamHack and about the Sega Genesis mini two and about social media that, uh, you know, I don't really need to talk about those. So maybe if next week's a slow news week, we will revisit these two topics. For those of you on the podcast feed, I was going to talk about Microsoft's canceled streaming console. Uh, they were going to have a new console that will only stream, but then they realized it was going to cost too much. And so they knew that people wouldn't like want to buy it. So they, they didn't come it out. And then uh, I was going to talk about Yuji Naka being arrested for insider trading because uh, apparently he was. And uh, we don't have much more information other than the fact that he was arrested because the investigation is still ongoing. So uh, that was the other thing I was going to start talking about. And maybe we'll talk about those later. And, uh, and uh, Rob Roberts says, don't worry, Orange Lounge Radio's got it covered. They've, they're going to be talking about this. They didn't go to DreamHack, so they can talk about all this stuff. So you can listen to Orange Lounge Radio, who is also back after two weeks, and they'll talk about both of those things. But we do want to take a music break. And the reason I want to talk, uh, take a music break is because I did just get a vinyl record from this group. Uh, and uh, you're not going to hear it on the podcast feed, but it's from Overclock Remix. Uh, they, they put it out. But it was it's the one-ups is a musical group. They're a musical cover group. One of the first ones. We're talking, they've been around 20 years, and so this is their 20th anniversary vinyl. And there are still copies of this vinyl left. They're only pressing 500 of these. But the one-ups are a, uh, they're kind of like a jazz uh, collective, and they've been doing video game covers for 20 years. I first saw them at the old Philly Classic Gaming Expo in like 2004, 2003, something like that. So, uh, and, and I've actually interviewed when we did uh, a big broadcast from PAX 08 with the All Games Network, where we brought in a whole bunch of people. I actually interviewed Mustin, who is the band leader, uh, actually had him on the show. He actually came uh, and talked to us live on All Games during our eight hours of broadcast that we did from PAX 08. So I've, you know, known of this band and loved them for a long time. So, um, and uh, and yes, and uh, so during this time, during this music break, if you want to call in, head on over to our green room of vognetwork.com slash discord, hop into the green room, and we will talk about whatever you want to talk about in the gaming industry during this music break. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show in the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Bobby, this is Offer, and I'm just calling to let you know that I 100% agree with you that the Sonic CD US soundtrack is far superior to the Japanese one, not only because of Sonic Boom, but because of the freaking amazing version of Stardust Speedway Bad Future. That's right, and you know what? On the Genesis Mini 2, you can play the superior U.S. soundtrack to Sonic CD. Yeah, you can load up the European version. It has the Japanese soundtrack, whatever. Yeah, whatever. You, you know you know that it's not about tooting your Sonic Warrior. It's about the Sonic Boom. 
We, we you know this. I know this. We all know this. Uh, and if you uh, disagree, you're wrong. So uh, if you want to leave a bumper, uh, you can. Uh, all you got to do is contact me, probably on our Discord server, evolvednetwork.com slash Discord. And uh, you can um, leave me uh, something with just your voice. I will choose what DMCA violation I want to put behind it. It can either be an audio file or a video file, uh, but uh, we are an audio podcast, so primarily audience uh, audio for the podcast audience. I do believe uh, we do have a uh, caller that is in the green room. Uh, so we are going to check and see who uh, who wants to speak here. Uh, so I'm going to pull them in. Uh, Bobby Black will show you are on the air. Who is this? Hey, this is Mike Deft. Mike Deft, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Pretty busy, but pretty well still. Uh, I want to talk about the Game Awards, the nominees... That's right. The Game Awards, they announced their nominees. Uh, I think I was gone, so I didn't really see a lot of these. Uh, so you can kind of fill me in on some of these. So the Game Awards is going to be going on, I think, December 9th, which is a Thursday. And the nominees are out. So what, what, do, you, what do you want to talk about with them? Well, basically, two, two things about the nominations. Uh, the first of all, and probably the, the, one of the things that maybe, many people aren't like comfortable with or at least they are they, they do not agree with is being uh god of war ragnarok being in the in the nomination for game of the year despite it being like just less than a week old uh, after after the nominations which i do understand that they have a, a like a cut for games that release on, on certain dates and obviously uh reviewers the press already have the game and played it and review it and all that stuff. But it, do you do you think it's fair for a game like God of War to be nominated? And, and, and again, this is nothing that it's something that has happened every pretty much every single single year. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if if you agree with this or not. They've got to have a cutoff date at some point. And if God of War Ragnarok came out before the cutoff date, and they did give review copies very early. Um, then yes, it should be nominated. And I know the the jury here is gaming press that had the game a lot longer than the gaming public did. So they've if, if it came out before their cutoff date for release, then I th- you know then yes, it works out here. Now maybe you can argue that the cutoff date should be a lot earlier. Uh, but if if it came out and I don't know what the actual date was that they wanted, uh. The, the, what the actual date was, the cutoff date. But if it beat it, yes, I think it sh- it should be fine to be nominated because it's the press who got early copies are the ones that nominated it. And yeah, I, I do agree with that. That the, it's usually the press, uh, the reviewers, uh, people in the industry that nominate this game, the this mm-hmm. games uh, for game of the year or any category in particular. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I do agree with that. I don't, I don't mind seeing God of War, especially because it's getting good reviews and, mm-hmm. and people are liking the game. So it's like, why not? So mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it should be nominated for Game of the Year, or at least for this year, and not mm-hmm. wait until the next, which can, it's gonna be like probably more complicated for it for it to like even have a chance to win. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's I, I don't I don't mind that in particular. The one I do mind is uh, on the fighting game category, best fighting game for the year, 
Mm-hmm. There's stuff like uh, Multiverses. Uh, there's King of Fighters 15. I think Guilty Gear Strive is nominated. I can I can do not remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's other games that do fall into the fighting game category. But there there's then there uh, sorry then there's uh, Sifu or Sifu. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, you fight in that game, but it's more like a brawler or a beat 'em up. It's not a, a player versus player fighting game. It's not a competitive game at all. It's a single player experience, and and yeah, it's nominated for indie game, action game, and all that stuff. But yeah. I, I, I that's the one I'm seriously baffled at, which is nominated there, and and I'm I'm, I'm actually worried that people or even in the industry are gonna go oh Sifu is a great game it should win best fighting game when it, when it doesn't fit the category at all now because now, if you look at the other nominees mm-hmm. they're all traditional fighting games right but what is the criteria for that category and i think this is where like okay so at a fundamental level i agree with you so but we, i also have to look at what is the game awards criteria for a fighting game is a brawler a fighting game under their criteria? And it just happens to be that Sifu is the only one that, you know, the, the only one that went in with all the other fighting games that happens to be the broader definition of what they consider a fighting game. Is there a best brawler category in the Game Awards? There's best action game. And I, I, do, I do not remember if there's a, a secretary for like beat em ups. Mm-hmm. But it, this is, this is like, but because in, in previous years, there's even like only like three, four nominated games at, uh, at most, and this time we have like six. Mm-hmm. And again, the only one that is in a fighting game is uh, Sifu. So I, I, I'm I, that, that, again, that's uh, what's that's what I'm baffled at. Well, it, and this like is I the said, first time it happens in the yeah. history of the Game Awards. Well, and like I said, it it really depends on what. What their definition of is is, you know, if you want to call back to that, but like what is their definition of a fighting game? Because it may fit the Game Awards definition of a fighting game, just not everybody else's. And that probably is something the Game Awards would need to correct is what is their definition uh, of it? Because, I mean, I agree, like it's kind of weird to be for it to be out of place. There was apparently another one that was uh, saying that uh, TMNT Shredder's Revenge is the best multiplayer game. Which it's got yeah. co-op, but like, does that mean every game that has co-op is now el- eligible for uh, best multiplayer? And I just noticed that Nibelian is one of the like content creators or whatever, and he yeah. he quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's been nominated. Yeah, after he quit everything. Um, I, I, for the people on the podcast, I'm like running the YouTube video uh, on the side that like lists all the nominations, so it's kind of flashing on the screen. Um. But yeah, so it really depends on what their definition is and if we agree on their definition. And the multiplayer for yeah. TMNT, like, does that mean anything that has co-op is best multiplayer? And like, that's the thing. And, and and also another thing, and it's also uh, it was also brought out of chat, uh, Rumbleverse is basically a fighting game, uh, but it's a, a, a battle royale fighting game. Mm-hmm. So you use fighting moves, you fight against other people, and that didn't got didn't get nominated, mm-hmm. and there was also some other fighting games that were released this year, uh, like uh, Them Fighting Hurts, which released on consoles uh, mm-hmm. uh, this on uh, October, 
and that should have been nominated too. It's like there were other fighting games, mm-hmm. like actual fighting games. That so that's also one of the gripes I have with with this nomination. Again, not that uh, Saifu doesn't deserve being nominated for any other category, right? But in this case, in this particular category, it's like it it, sh- it, it doesn't fit. But like you said, yeah, it's possibly the the game awards have. I don't know that the, their definitions of of mm-hmm. what a fighting game is. Yeah. So it it comes down to that, but it's if it's that like it's oh it's in, in any game, you hit a punch, mm-hmm. you fight, then it shouldn't be like that. Mm-hmm. It's it, no, it's it shouldn't be that definition. Yeah, at, at least for me. And I, I hate the the most anticipated game. Like I hate that category. Me too. Me too. That's just that's just it's like it's gonna be Zelda. Everybody knows it's gonna be Zelda. Like one of them's Resident Evil Four. I'm like that game already came out. It's just a new new version of Resident Evil Four, and I yeah. So, but yeah, and I, and I hate how they put sports and racing in the same category. That's what's popping up right now. Because like there's sports games and there's racing games, and so like they've got to fight it out together. So anyway. Technically, racing is a sport, so. <laughs> yes, but not all racing games are sports. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Forza Horizon <laughs> is not a sport. Forza Motorsport is a sport. It's got it in the name. That's true. All right, anything, anything else on your mind? Both for Tonic, for best indie game, best adventure action game, for best anything that is nominated, because that game is freaking amazing, and it should even be nominated for game of the year but oh well what what are we gonna do yeah but yeah play tunic uh, i'll think about it that that <laughs> there, there was a game that came out uh on game pass very recently and i was like i should play it before i so i can talk about it on the show and then notice i cut out two stories tonight uh but finally like that game pentiment came out oh yeah and pentiment this is it's by obsidian so it's an xbox game studios game but this is the one at the the xbox the the quote-unquote e3 presentation that was looked like ancient rome and it looked like it was on parchment and stuff and it's like a murder mystery it's a it's an adventure game that came out on game pass so i haven't been able to pick that up yet so i'll probably play that before tunic sorry (laughs) always good to hear from you though hey thanks for having me here and uh, so, uh, yeah, so coming up next here on the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vlog network is Orange Lounge Radio. It's three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do, and we like to check in with them and see what they're going to be talking about. Uh, and Questbuster even says, Pentiment really looks interesting. Yes, it looked interesting to me, and that's why I'm glad Game Pass exists, so I can try it there. Sacramento, are you there? I am here, Bobby. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Your microphone is using your webcam again. Mm. this happened to me two weeks ago two weeks ago this happened to me because he's like you're very low and then also he could hear himself it turns out my audio settings got changed and so he was coming through on a different mixer on my end and i was sending the wrong thing back to him and windows does this to us all the time it sure does how's that yes it sounds much better thank you sorry about that so welcome back we both uh had a well-needed vacation and now we're back mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and and trying to get back in the, the, the swing of things. I haven't played anything, but you have been catching them all. I have. That's right. Uh, Pokemon Generation 9 started uh, yes. this weekend. So I've been spending uh, quite a bit of time uh, streaming my playthrough. I'm going to really try to kind of stream. I feel like this uh, game, 
is a little different from a lot of other narrative games. I think all Pokemon games have generally a similar story. I don't think people are as worried about story spoilers mm-hmm. with these. I mean, some are, but, you know, I think it's a little easier to drop in and out of uh, watching people catch Pokemon. So, yeah, uh, yeah it's it's been a good uh, candidate for uh, streaming. Yeah, and, and that's what's making me like, do, do I want to pick this up? Because I'm like, I've already played Sword. Like, do I need to play another Pokemon game? Like, I played Sword. <laughs> well, well, this one, it, it is different. They've, you know, mm-hmm. done some changes with it. It's it's a little more, um, the open world is leaned into a little mo- more, um, like it was in Arceus a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, for better and for worse. Uh, obviously, one of the big uh, complaints about the game, I think you're going to see out there a lot of places, is that it's technically challenged on the Nintendo Switch. It's almost as if this was designed for another system yeah. and they had to shove it into the switch real fast. It sure seems that way. Uh, although nothing is confirmed at the end of the day, if a game is good, a game is good. And so does it ruin my fun? No, but it's disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. E3 VL. I even asked, are there performance issues? Yes. Yes. And I've been watching Absolutely. them on stream. Like you oh will see like in the distance, one of the NPCs will be walking at like three frames a second. It looks, it's like flip book animation. It's so bad. Yeah, but then when you get up close, they're fine, and that's them trying. That's the game developers trying to mask, like make the game look, make the world look lived in, make you know look dynamic when you're dealing with lower end hardware. And so those are some of the tricks. I will tell you, most of game development is the programmers trying to lie to you as the player. (laughs) It's all like tricks to lie to you to make you think things are there that aren't. And they're mm-hmm. hoping you don't notice that that person way in the distance is three frames a second. Well, Unfortunately, we see that like it, it, that's yeah. not something uh, that can th- that you can exactly hide. Most of the things they hide is like they don't render things that are behind buildings. And how mm-hmm. do how did they do the math to not render that? And that way it looks like the city looks like it's bigger than it really is when it's really only showing you the little part you can see. And that's the most right. of the lying that game development does to you. Yeah. So, um, but maybe if there was ever a, a super switch someday, maybe it could render the uh, movement a little better. Um, yeah. Or maybe it's something you don't notice it as much as handheld because the screen is a little bit smaller than yeah. when you're sitting right in front of your um, computer monitor or what have you. But uh, it is, uh, yeah, yep. it's it, it's a thing. But you know, and, again, and, and I will I, say, is the game fun? Yes, the game is fun. I will say, handheld mode also runs at 720p, which also mm, that helps. Is true. Uh, no, so I've actually heard the game does run better in handheld mode for that reason. That's right. true. And Pokemon really is a handheld game, Rob. <laughs> he rolled his eyes. He rolled his eyes. To the yes, he rolled his eyes. So, but you're still enjoying it. It's still a good game. You're still having yeah. fun catching them all. Yeah, uh, I, I like the, the the open world approach. I like so much more than the the routes because. You don't feel like you have to catch them all in a certain area before mm-hmm. you can move on, which really, you know, kneecapped me in early Pokemon games is I felt like I had to 100 percent catch in each area and the open world nature of this game. While yes, it's the map is still generally in different areas. Mm-hmm. I feel like the open world nature of it allows you to forgive that because you sort of know like, oh, I can literally come back here anytime. I can yeah. literally do any of this at any time. Um, and, and that was part of what I enjoyed about Sword and Shield, too, because it took a similar approach. But this one, it's not just the wild area. It's the whole stinking game. Yeah. So they're, they're basically trying to make everything Breath of the Wild, where you can go everywhere. <laughs> kind of. But, like, is that a bad thing? I mean, outside of performance. Yeah. If, maybe if it was on a PS5. I mean, right. I hate to be that guy that's like, put Mario Brothers on PlayStation. But, like, right. maybe they had a point. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so I guess my my question then, if they're going to make it Breath of the Wild, can you jump direct? Like, are speedrunners going to be able to jump directly to the end of this? Uh, you're asking the wrong guy. I know speedrun games, but I'm yeah. sh- I'm positive they have to be thinking about what is the absolute quickest way to pick up the yep. minimum necessary pokemon to stomp on every gym absolutely yep. somebody's formulating that right now and yes yep. there will be quick pass through the game you 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 betcha there's apparently already a glitch skip according to mike deft so not surprised. one of my uh one of my friends on twitter you know when i was still there uh said that they were trying to do as much of the game as they could before even going to the main town the main mm-hmm. school uh, because there's a lot you can do without just touching those main quests, apparently. So I thought that was interesting. Just D- different approaches. DJ Rama S brings an excellent point, and this is something I have always uh, that even like when I we did some panels about streaming when you're older and and stuff like that. And my hot take, and this leads right into it. DJ Rama S says, "I find it interesting that it's the adult gamers that are complaining. Meanwhile, the kids are all right, and I'm seeing that." What what we're kind of seeing is that the kids, they're like, it's Pokemon. They don't care that that guy in the back's only going three frames a second. Only the adults do. Well, the kid didn't spend 60 bucks on it, all right? That's true. That's true. But the parents probably wouldn't care either if the parents aren't watching. As long as the kid stays quiet. Yes. Right? But, but I mean, I've, I've noticed that because also, like, when we were kids, like, there were technical challenges in the games, and we loved them anyway, and that was part of their charm. And I think that's what some of the kids are probably going to say about this as they grow up. Yeah, it's it's not like I'm going to say, oh, I hate this Pokemon game because of this. It's just one of those things where I'm like, oh, that's that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. You know, this this should have this could have this could have been a game of the year nominee, and this is why yeah. it's not. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so what else are you going to be talking about on Orange Lounge Radio tonight? I'm assuming you're going to talk about the things that I actually killed off my show roll. Yes, we will definitely touch on some of those stories that you uh, missed tonight. Also, I think this is really cool. Um, Every single magazine, Nintendo Power, uh, has been archived online. Nintendo hasn't shut it down yet. I'm not sure, you know, legally how many years have to pass before they can or whatever. But anyway, somebody's been bold enough to set up an archive, so go grab it while you can. Also, what is the status of PlayStation 5s? Can you walk into Target and buy them now? It's getting better, and there seems to be some uh, some study proof behind that. So we'll talk about that as well. So is a PlayStation 5 in my holiday future? Maybe. I don't know. Orange Lounge Radio is up next in your immediate future. Thanks so much, Rob. Thanks as always, Bobby. So uh, that is it for me. I will be back next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Come join us and interact with the show directly. Uh, You can find me on social media at Bobby Blackwolf. Uh, I do have an Instagram, a TikTok. Uh, I'm still on Twitter. It's on uh, cohost.org. I've got Bobby Blackwolf. I am on Mastodon, but I'm not really posting much. I, I never really posted that much anyway. Uh, but uh, really our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. That is where you can find out more uh, and we, we can talk during the week. It is a holiday week here in America. We have Thanksgiving coming up this weekend. So I hope that everybody, uh, if you do spend time with your family, I hope it is uh, not as bad as it could be. And uh, I know that some people's families, they have great Thanksgivings and some people's, eh, this is when all the, the memes come out about how Thanksgiving is. So I hope you, that, you know, if, and if you're not in America, I hope you have a wonderful week. Uh, you don't have to have a Thanksgiving to, to be thankful uh, for, for all the stuff that you have. Um, so, uh, yeah, so you can find us there. If you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone. 
Uh, the show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet. But we had a hype train tonight, and we can't. One of the things that helps Vog Network run is uh, that we are able to pay our own bills. Uh, and basically, that's all we do. We're not really making a profit off of any of this, but we're able to pay our own bills, which is really, really great. Uh, so I want to thank the people that uh, went above and beyond. Uh, you just being here is really all we ask for. But I do want to thank uh, Fifth Dream, who resubscribed for 41 months, saying it's not the answer to the question of life, universe, and everything yet. Mike Deft resubscribed uh, for almost two years, uh, or almost three years now, because we're at 47 months. Uh, Dark uh, Orange Right uh, resubscribed with that 47-month streak. Tiger Claw resubscribed for uh for once again uh basically they've been resubscribed from the beginning. Twitch math is kind of weird; it cuts people off if you don't have the recurring sub and stuff. Dark Tetsuya resubscribed for almost two years now. He's been here since the beginning, uh, but uh, obviously hasn't been able to subscribe all all the time. But we don't worry; we love him anyway. And Orange Right cheered 100 bits, and that capped off our hype train. Completed at level two. We got a total of five subs and 100 bits. Thank you so much for all that. Uh, 40, four years. 48 months is four years. I can math. But uh, that's how long we've been on Twitch. It's almost four years now on Twitch on top of the, the, the 17 years total that I've been doing this streaming thing, either in audio form. And I brought that up at DreamHack. I was like, yeah, no, we were streaming audio and using IRC. And people were like, wow, that takes me back. I haven't heard IRC. I haven't heard that name in forever. I felt old. I should have, like, taken my walker into DreamHack and been like, squeaky, hello, back in my day. No, I wasn't going to do that. Anyway, I'm going to hit the button uh, so I can get out of here. And uh, I'll see you next week. And maybe I'll actually talk about the news. But, like, this was fun talking about the Genesis and about DreamHack. And I missed events. I'll see you next week. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom, although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.